Hey, this is Nick Raboy, and I'm with my co-host, Mike Lynn. The topic of today's episode is no-code and low-code application development. So we're going to be talking to Marius and Ole, the co-founders of AppFarm, and we're going to see how they're using MongoDB to accomplish just that. The only constant in software is change. Software, data, and all things MongoDB. Welcome to the MongoDB podcast with your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Oli and Marius, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How are you today? We're pretty good here in Oslo, Norway. Terrific. Yep. So we're uh, we're quite a few miles apart. What's the weather like where you are? I would say it's an early early spring in Oslo. Uh, sunny. Uh, I guess low seventies in in Fahrenheit. Uh, so pretty good for a Nordic uh, for a Nordic May. <laughs> nice. That's great. So I was really excited to, to have you on the podcast. I've worked in a similar er, realm, a similar realm uh, that you're, you're working in, the no-code. Actually, I worked in a low-code environment uh, in the past. I worked on a system called System Builder, and this is back in the dark days before the internet. Uh, it was on a system that worked um, on PIC, the PIC operating system. Uh, you'll probably not remember that. And very few people listening will even know what PIC, the PIC operating system is. But um, that was a uh, the first experience I had with low code, no code. And the benefits were uh, were really powerful. You know, I, I was in this role where I was doing development and there was a lot of monotonous uh, setup work that I needed to do in order for me to start creating uh, a, a, an application and uh, there was just all this filler code that needed to be at the at the beginning, and functions that that uh, you know I was just copying from one system to the next, and it just seemed like a lot of uh, a lot of wasted effort. And along came System Builder, and it enabled me to be very uh, agile, very fast with uh, creating these very complete user driven applications. So forms. Any kind of form that would be created could be created just in a flash. And um, so I was really excited when uh, when we started talking about having you on the show. And um, tell me a little bit about AppFarm, what it is, and how how you came to create AppFarm. Sure. Um, AppFarm was established a few years back, 2017, uh, here in, in Oslo, Norway. And Actually, I think from your intro that our objective is not that different from what you experienced probably 15, 20 years ago. Um, it's just that the world and what's possible with software has dramatically changed since you worked with it. So what, what we, our ambition and our original um, plan was to bring to market a, a true no-code application development platform, but delivered as a service in the cloud. So... Our ambition, and it still is, is to simplify software development in a way that enables a whole new class of developers, not the traditional kind, um, that maybe have some experience with software engineering, but not like a lot, or it's not their primary career maybe, but enable them to create fully functioning enterprise applications much faster and easier than, than it's possible just a few years back. So um, that's sort of the 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 overall agenda we're working on. So is it is it the premise that uh, someone could become proficient using a product like AppFarm and totally avoid having to come up to speed on 
on development, you know, the traditional development paradigm where I learn a language, I learn a database, that type of paradigm. So I think what, what we do, and, and we can go into a little bit more details later, is, is to create a way to uh, make software more visually. But we do not remove the core fundamentals of software. So you still need to have a sort of fundamental understanding of how software is created in a more, let's say, theoretical sense. But you do not need to go through the usual routine of learning a particular language and, uh, and the syntax and, and all that surrounding uh, a software development um, subject in order to create software using this application or, or, or other no-code platforms. So it's, it's more of a, of a tool than it is to replace the, 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 the theory of software, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think I get it. Now, you make a distinction between no-code and low-code, and AppFarm is a no-code solution. Am I correct? Yeah. So I think it, it makes sense to sort of take a look at this whole terminology, no-code, because it's really being used on a lot of different places right now uh, in a lot of different contexts. So in the most sort of broadest sense, it's used now to describe a lot of SaaS tools that then, that let the user do stuff with software that you in the past needed to write code to do, right? So, but this this sort of emergence of these tools uh, that label themselves no code, most of them are like great tools, but they are generally more specialized to do specific tasks, and they have obvious limitations in what you can do in terms of creating custom applications. So, create applications that can do a broad area of different functionality. So um, there are obviously a lot of developer tools also that call themselves no code. And, and we use a lot of these tools, both uh, as users and developers. But what we focus on and what we sort of distinguish uh, ourselves in that market is uh, uh, to de deliver a no code platform. And in that context, you're definitely right that this low code platforms has been around at least 15 years. And you know, there's big players in that area, OutSystems, Mendix, uh, Appian, uh, which are delivering low-code platforms. And so the real discussion here in this context, I think, is what's the difference between a no-code platform and a low-code platform? And um, the, the way we look at this is that uh, in a low-code platform, the target user are developers, really, like traditional developers. And it's a way to, if, to make software programming more efficient. But uh, in a no-code platform and an app farm in particular is a way to create platform without any use of code. Like there's no manual coding written anywhere in our platform, or you can if you, if you want in some circumstances, but really the core value proposition is to create software without any use of code. And the target developers are perhaps users that don't think of themselves or identify themselves really as a software developer. Who are those developers? Uh, I'm sure you've got a, a bunch of customers. Who, who are, can you talk a little bit about who this ends up being and who, who are, who's successfully creating applications with AppForm today? It's a good question. There are sort of a mixed bunch of uh, different personalities and backgrounds, but uh, uh, I think some of them have programmed before, like earlier, uh, they have some software experience. Uh, some of them are designers that have sort of a front-end uh, background or have looked at web uh, applications before, but not 
professions as a full stack developers. Um, some are business people that have a sort of an, perhaps an engineering degree. So they have programmed during college days, but haven't sort of looked at program programming after that. So they, they're obviously technical savvy, but they don't work as software developers today. That said, we also have people that are sort of software developers in, in some way or another working in part of the stack, typically more front end, but use AppFarm as a way to, to be a full stack developer truly. So uh, that's sort of a, uh, I guess, a, there, there are different categories of users of AppFarm or no code platforms in general, I think, but they, they, they're definitely not the full stack developer as, a, as an occupation. Yeah, and I can imagine it's changing the economics of the development space. So um, I can imagine that larger enterprises, are, they're going to be interested in this because it's going to remove that requirement to have a huge on-staff team of deeply uh, technical developers, right? Um, who ends up being the, the customers that you're, that you're selling into? So when, when we offer a platform, we really have uh, two main groups of customers. Um, first of all, we, we, um, we sell to sort of consultancy firms that use AppFarm as a way to create solutions for their end customers. Um, and we also sell the platform to the end customers themselves, which is like big, not necessarily huge corporations, but but from medium-sized firms to, to, uh, to large corporates that use AppFarm in, in actually the way you describe it. So there's a small team of IT savvy uh, people. They, they come from business to the business side, but also from the IT side, which use AppFarm to create applications internally. So uh, what about competitors? Who do you see as your primary competitors? So if you go back a little bit to this low-code platforms, they obviously, uh, have worked a number of years to to create great products, but as I said, their primary primary target, as we sort of understand it, is is the developers in really big corporates to sort of replace the whole internal application development program, um, and they also work primarily with or not primarily very, but they support on-premise infrastructure, and app farm and uh, other no-code platforms that we like to uh, consider ourselves competitors to, we work typically only in the cloud. So there's this um, quite big difference between the the stack that we use to deliver our service compared to uh, perhaps what the low-code platforms are using. And since we are a cloud-native firm and can utilize a lot of the standardizations on software uh, libraries and, and frameworks, we can offer a, a, a service at a considerably lower cost than what these guys are doing because they have a totally different problem they're working on, if you know what I mean. So in the, in the, in the more what we consider competitors, there are actually uh, only a handful that do exactly what we do. There's a Dutch firm called Betty Blocks, uh, which has a similar no-code platform. And in the US, there's uh, also a pretty young firm called Uncork, which I believe also uses MongoDB technology, as we do, um, that work on a similar platform. Um, but it's actually a pretty complicated question because what is a competitor? Well, there's an alternative to your solution. And, and we also compete with primarily traditional programming, like 
traditional way to create software is our primary competitor. That's what we meet in the market every day. We do not meet Betiblox or Uncork in the Norix, to put it like that. So our main competitor is the traditional way of doing things, which is the typical, I guess, scenario when you're doing uh, innovative things. Mm. And speaking of MongoDB, you mentioned uh, that your, one of your competitors is using MongoDB. How is uh, maybe I'd like to I'd like to get a little bit more technical about the uh, about the stack about AppFarm. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what the stack looks like and how you're leveraging MongoDB as a part of that stack. Uh, so for no-code technologies, there are generally two ways of uh, running the end application. Um, the one is uh, code generation, where the platform will actually generate code that can be executed. Uh, the other way is to use an interpretive technology, which is what AppFarm is. Uh, this means that the runtime code uh, is the same for all applications, but it uses an application description to define how application will work, work, look, and feel, uh, kind of like how Excel works. So we have only one runtime. Uh, so one of the big advantages with this approach is uh, that the end applications can be, be changed at runtime, which uh, drastically speeds up development uh, cycle. So you can just tweak small stuff, and you'll see the, the change uh, live. Um, as for AppFarm, the entire platform is, uh, is written in JavaScript and TypeScript, uh, both the front end and the back end, and all, also all the support systems in the platform. Uh, for front end, we're using uh, React and Material UI. Um, back end is, uh, consists of several microservices running Node.js. Um, for hosting and running the platform, we use uh, Google Cloud uh, for now and uh, Kubernetes. And we actually don't manage a single server ourselves. Uh, we only use immutable infrastructure and uh, hosted services like uh, MongoDB Atlas. So you are using Atlas, so all of the And let me get this straight. So you, you mentioned it's uh, interpretive. What does the interface look like for someone who's creating an application with AppFarm? So the development tool that we call AppFarm Create is um, a full stack tool which is accessed through any web browser. So um, a developer or a user, or what we call a modeler, really, uh, they do everything they need to create, deploy, and manage uh, their web applications in that uh, browser-based tool. So in that way, the tool itself is also multi-developer support in real time, as you would expect from any SaaS service uh, as Affirm is. So that's also a, a somewhat different approach to what the low-code players are doing, which is installed software uh, on Windows machines, typically. So in the tool itself, it's a specific editor where you create user interface based on Affirm components. And as uh, Ule mentioned, we use material design as a design framework behind our UI components. And really, you drag and drop uh, UI components from either lower level components like containers to more uh, complex and, and um, uh, work together components like charting components and stuff like that. And you create user interface by ordering these components in sort of a hierarchy. But you see it visually. And you can also look in the development environment on the client side exactly what you're doing real time. So that's that's sort of uh, how you create UI. 
Uh, and then you also have the flexibility with a full visual CSS editor to sort of define the behavior of the UI in any way you want. Now, is MongoDB underlying the entire structure? So when, when I'm modeling an, an application in AppFarm, is that creating a document per se that, that's get, getting stored in MongoDB? Yes. So you use uh, MongoDB for two things. First of all, we use it for, for customer data, of course. But we also use it to store the application description, as you said. So you're storing customer data. It's obvious, obviously going to be possibly sensitive data. How are you treating that from a security perspective? Are you using any, any advanced security features? Yes. So we are uh, separating all, all customer data, uh, of course. So um, all, all customers have or all, our, um, all our solutions, that we call them, um, have separate databases. Okay, so a customer per database. Yeah. All right, so I'm getting a, a good understanding of the stack here. And you mentioned microservices with Kubernetes, uh, Google Cloud. So is AppFarm available for on-prem? Let's say I'm a, I'm a, a customer of yours and I have a, a, a different set of requirements for a, one particular application. Do you offer it as an on-prem solution as well? So the shortest answer is that we do not. Um, but uh, the longer answer is that um, we have basically all our customer solutions that we have made, created using the platform or our partners have created uh, for end users. Uh, they are integrated in some way with some legacy system that the customer has. So when we started AppFarm, all of us have the back, our background is in enterprise software. So we know that when you want to do new digital innovation and create new digital infrastructure in a big corporate, you're not going to throw out everything you have. It's just not the realistic scenario. So uh, what you need to do is to uh, create new and modern cloud-based software, but you have to interact some way with what's there already. So we have created technologies and solutions in Affirm that enable us to integrate with whatever's out there. And uh, that's the way we sort of avoid and really advise our uh, customers to, to not use on-prem solutions for this purpose, because what we do is to extend and expand what they ha have already, uh, and they can sort of migrate that to the cloud in their own pace, but they don't need to wait to create those amazing digital experiences that the modern user expects. So tell me a little bit more about how you're leveraging Atlas and, and what's your experience been uh, like, did you start with MongoDB on-premise at any point and then transition, or have you always used a database as a service? Uh, a fully hosted database as uh, Atlas was a no-brainer for us. Um, we could then leverage uh, the expertise that you guys have um, to handle the database operations, and uh, we can focus on what we do best. So not doing everything ourselves enables us to move very fast. Yeah, I understand. So we were we were chatting previously, and um, I understand you you release quite frequently. What what does the app farm release cycle look like? Ola, do you want to sort of comment on how how many releases we have in a week? Uh, depends, but uh, <laughs> once a week to once a day, depending on. <laughs> I guess the the answer here is that um, there's a big benefit of being small. Like, uh, because we can move ex extremely fast and we can, we can release new functionality, uh, because we know all our customers, obviously this is not going to be the case in 
maybe 12 months or 18 months because we're going to be significantly bigger, hopefully. And at some point, you need to uh, do your release cycles more you know, planned and, and orderly. But at the moment, this is a huge benefit for us because when a client asks for something, we can create it and the next day we can release it. Uh, so we really want to sort of maintain that sort of culture as long as we can. And we're very transparent and open to our you know, external developers that, that uh, we are going to ship fast and you're going to test and you're going to give feedback. And then obviously uh, we're going to improve. But this is actually because of the whole logistics of AppForm uh, pretty safe because when we apply and you release it, it obviously doesn't apply to all production environments in the end customer solutions immediately. They're sort of taken uh, uh, when it's due, if you know what I mean. So um, new functionality is released to developers and the development the development environments first and then uh, taken to the production environment in due course. Well, that's really powerful. Um, yeah, and I can see how that could be really, really attractive to be able to support um, a, a faster pace of updates. So speaking of um, releases and roadmaps, I'm, I'm interested in what's coming down the pike. What are the big features that you're looking to implement as a part of your upcoming releases? Well, we're mainly customer driven. So um, in particular, I don't know, but uh, in the big picture, we will provide more building blocks and more smart feature that enables our users to further speed up uh, the application development. Like we can use Atlas to get professionals to take care of our data. We want our customers to be able to leverage our expertise uh, when it comes to creating and managing their applications. So speed. Terrific. In, in, in other words, like we, we have a sort of complete library of components already, which enable you to create any custom application really. But our job as a firm is to give developers more complex, fully ready to go components that can do more stuff in one go. Um, and that's sort of the way we're going to always, I think, be creating more functionalities that AppFront platform is obviously never completed. And, and uh, uh, I don't know what we're going to do in a year, but it's going to be around that theme. So you, we first started talking um, because AppFarm is a part of the MongoDB for Startups program, and um, we talked with a, a lot of a lot of startups that are considering programs like the MongoDB for Startups program. I'm wondering if you could share your experience. What what was really helpful as a part of the program? What what did you take advantage of? And and maybe if you've got any uh, advice for folks considering a program like MongoDB for Startups. Sure. Um, I think the, the main attractor for us initially was that we sort of get a, a access directly to internal expertise. If there's anything we need, um, the sort of the door was open uh, directly to the people that know the answers. So although we, we haven't used it as much as we perhaps could, then that, that's a big security for us uh, as a startup to be able to interact with a pretty big corporation's like MongoDB is from this tiny outskirt of the Nordic market uh, uh, building a new company. So that that's a key point. And, and the second, as a startup, you never say no to credits, right? From one of your most important technology providers. So, so that's obviously a very generous and, and uh, important contribution to us, particularly in the most early stages when we were building a company. 
And um, taking it from sort of the business perspective, uh, it's it's incredibly cool to be able to be on this podcast and be able to uh, be sort of showcased by MongoDB people in other channels, which we have limited ability to access, obviously. So it, it generally provides a, a sense of credibility to what you're doing uh, when you're taken into a program. And and I'm, I'm, I guess, and I, I think that you don't let everybody in, right? So so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it gives you uh, support, which is much needed in the beginning. So any lessons or recommendations for other startups in the space? Doesn't even have to be about the MongoDB for Startups program, but uh, things that you've learned starting up App Farm and, and as you continue to grow? Yeah, sure. There, as a, you know, startups lessons. That's you can have a lot of podcasts on that. But um, <laughs> right, I, I think uh, in this context, I really want to sort of focus on one thing, which is now a, a cultural foundation of what we're doing every day, and a very key factor to um, how the platform has become what it is today. And and that uh, in the early stages when you're building something, um, you really should avoid trying to perfect everything. And People don't realize the huge opportunity they have with software because you can actually release something that's not completely finished, but you can do it very quickly. So what we did is we offered the platform and services on the platform extremely early uh, because your product needs to be scrutinized. It needs to be commented on and used and and, uh, the people that has to be doing that are the early adopters. So you just need to ship it, get feedback and and make the improvements as you go along. And um, I'm not sure if we would even recognize App from Create, the development tool, in like a couple of years ago. But that was used to develop our first customer application, and which is still running today. So um, over time, you develop new stuff, other stuff become important. You expand, you uh, take away. You you need to be very close to what the market is doing. And and engineers, at least European engineers, I think have a uh, big, uh, they 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 have a big desire to create the perfect solution, and and you you need to try to avoid that feeling because it doesn't exist. So you need to get your stuff out there, and that's the only way to move forward, sort of. So that's my big uh, advice for other uh, startups, and uh, particularly in software, you have the ability to do that. If you're doing hardware stuff, it's much more difficult, right? So so. Um, that's that's at least one lesson that we have sort of incorpor- incorporated in everything we do. Yeah, and you know, Elliot Harwitz, our our co-founder and CTO, um, talks about that all the time, and he's a huge proponent of of MVP. And um, you know, the, the the sad fact is that uh, startups in the startup world, I think it's something like eighty percent of all startups end up failing. And I've I've been doing some research for a talk. It. 42% of them that fail, fail because they don't know enough about the market. They've failed to determine whether or not their product hits a, a big enough market. And by releasing early, you can get that super valuable feedback. So it's it's interesting that that's your recommendation. And uh, I think it's a, a really solid, solid piece of advice for startups. So release early, get feedback pivot, change your product to meet the, the market demands. That's that's great advice. Anything else you want to add before we before we wrap up? I think in, in the, um, to follow up on your comment there, that this also applies to software in the context of the customers, like the corporates, uh, because with a no-code platform and similar tools like we do, um, 
uh, you deliver, you can you can create stuff much quicker than you could before. And you don't need to work through these endless uh, cycles of functionality criteria and on, on sort of on the blackboard. Because what you can do now uh, with these types of tools is to get a description from the actual people that has the problem, create a solution quickly, not the perfect solution, but you know as close as you can get, put it in the hands of the users and then l listen to what they're doing. What, 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 what's missing, what's good, what's, what you need to expand on. And in our experience doing a lot of projects, what we realize is that about half of what could be considered uh, criteria to the application is discovered during the process of playing with the MVP. So when you re if you think about that more, uh, more theoretically, it means that you, it, you can never be able to you know criteriaize the whole uh, solution up front so you need to get it out and i think uh, the whole no code revolution uh, in its many diverse applications will sort of shift the whole discussion about how we think about software for enterprise and the way they buy software will change and at least in the european context corpus has spent you know 20 years of pushing it out of the business I think in the next 15 or 20 years, they're going to put IT back in the business because the tools give them the ability to control more and they can rely less on consultants and, and, and uh, other external parties. So I think we're in the beginning of a sort of a, a big change with regards to, um, to how we think about enterprise software. And obviously the cloud and cloud services like MongoDB and, and Google Cloud and AVS are part of that ecosystem. And uh, we're sort of... Uh, with a group of players that's close to the customers and the end use cases, but but it's it's sort of an ecosystem that's bringing this forward. Now you touched on something there. I know we were heading toward wrap up, but but you touched on something that's piqued my interest, and I'm I'm wondering if is App Farm seen as kind of a prototyping tool for applications that would be developed in another environment? That's a that's a very good question. Like. We created AppRun to not be a prototyping tool alone, but um, we are not sort of afraid for it to be used in that for that purpose. Because what we typically we have a, a couple of products where we we say to corporates that give us the, your problem and give us a week and we can deliver an, an MVP, and then they say yeah, but we might not sort of develop it using your technology, and we say that's completely fine because. We take down the initial cost and your risk to a level where we you have spent less money and time delivering the actual blueprint of your application, functioning application. It works now. And if you want to develop that in your own you know, infrastructure or using your own development people or your own tool, whatever, that's fine with us. But um, honestly, in most cases, when people see that we can deliver in a week or two weeks or three weeks, the discussion is regarding prototyping or MVP is over because they just continue using it, right? So, so um, it's not a prototyping tool. There are other tools that are meant for that purpose, but but given the powerful nature of the application, you can use it for prototyping, just prototyping with real stuff. Well, we're just about out of time. I want to give you an opportunity to to tell the listeners uh, where they can get more information and. Um, maybe talk about any social links or, or any anywhere you'd like to send people for more information. Sure. So you can visit us at um, our website, appfarm.io. 
at start that's the primary contact point and and uh, we also are available on uh, your uh, social media of choice but uh, we primarily focus on linkedin where we have uh, a lot of updates coming in in uh, in different forms so that's the primary contact points well marius and ole thank you so much for spending some time with me i've learned a, a lot about app farm and uh, i look forward to seeing where you guys go thank you for having us thank you